At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with nature photographer Michael Bellino. Michael has a very impressive portfolio filled with majestic photographs of mountains, landscapes, and many other subjects out in nature. Michael stays true to his work, and he has some very special techniques to share when it comes to landscape photography in general. So stay tuned and enjoy this episode. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm Michael Bellino. I'm a nature photographer based in Portland, Oregon, which is in the northwest part of the United States. I really like your work. Uh, I came across your work thanks to a photographer that I've already interviewed, Sarah Marino. She said some great things about you, and I was stunned by your portfolio because you capture landscapes in a unique way. You experiment with different angles and the colors. Like I've never seen colors like that in other people's portfolios. So I think we'll have a lot of interesting things to discuss in this interview. Yeah, thanks so much. That's really nice of you to say that. And really kind of Sarah to recommend me because I'm a big fan of Sarah's work. And not just her work, but the way she thinks about photography and the way she's promoted um, photography as a, as, as a really valid art form. And so... That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really nice to have photographer friends in, in the industry because for a lot of people, especially beginners, they feel like they have to do this on their own, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I felt when I was just starting out. I felt like it was just this lonesome journey. But in reality, it's it's a great opportunity for us to make new friends, right? And to learn from other people. I think it's more fulfilling that way. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the photography community is pretty large. But I also feel like it's pretty intimate at the same time where people do develop these true friendships and they get to meet, at least online, and potentially go on photography trips together. And just that networking really does pay off um, some dividends. It's really important. 
Absolutely. I agree. Have you ever gone on a photography trip with someone? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, in Portland here, about three or four good friends who are all photographers. Some of them are not as into it as they used to be, but at least once a year we go on a trip, usually to the desert Southwest and just for like about a week. And it's definitely photography focused, but it's also just a time for us to go explore areas we have not been to before and just have fun and sit around the campfire and talk and just experience nature in that way. And those trips are always really fun. And then, you know, I'll go on little trips for the weekend with a couple of photography friends up around here in the Northwest. Um, and then of course with my family, we go on a lot of trips together too. I have a wife and a son and we probably go on at least two trips a year together, if not more. And so, yeah, most of the time on the longer trips, it's usually with other people. Um, but then again, locally, when I photograph, in some ways, I prefer just to kind of be by myself. But for those longer trips, it's really nice to have companions and friends and have some people to kind of like bounce ideas off of and make decisions together and things like that. And it's also a great way to leave your comfort zone, right? Because maybe some of your friends are more the riskier people, let's say risk takers. And then like I, for example, if I'm hanging out with people who are a bit more extroverted and want to try new things, I'm immediately compelled to do the same thing. So it's it's great to work with a variety of people, I think, especially in photography. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Because we all have our own kind of ideas of of where to go or what to shoot or um, maybe an idea that maybe you didn't have. And sometimes that pushes you into a new experience, which which would then trigger maybe images that you wouldn't necessarily have come back with without the other person kind of pushing you in that direction. Um, and also just showing you new things. Like definitely when I first went to the desert Southwest, a lot of those roads are, you know, you have to have a high clearance vehicle, four wheel drive. Um, I remember being like, wow, thank God I'm not driving on these roads because some of them are pretty gnarly, pretty um, difficult to drive on. After a few trips, you kind of get the idea, you watch them drive and you can figure out that, oh, you know, it's just some some basic common sense and some basic skills. You can also drive these roads, which then take you to these spectacular areas too. So the whole idea of like being with others who help you push you through like personal boundaries or maybe comfort zone restrictions is also one big benefit of going with other people as well. I definitely see that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy to know that you have photographer friends in your area. I think every photographer deserves to have at least one friend with similar interests in the same area where they live so they can go on trips together often. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Camera gear is obviously important to many people, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are curious to know what you use. So could you share your equipment with us? Sure. Um, currently, I'm using the Nikon D850. Um, and then I have four main lenses I use. I use the Nikon 16 to 35, and then I use the Nikon 24 to 120, and then the 70 to 200, and then I have a 100 to 400. And the 100 to 400 is a Tamron, it's not a Nikon lens. But all those lenses are probably, it goes in between the 24 to 120 and the 70 to 200, which I use the most. Um, five years ago is definitely the wide angle lens. That's also a sign of my shifting kind of like process for how I go about capturing images. 
I keep it really simple. I don't do a lot of filters. I the polarizer, just in, if the scene requires me to polarize it, I'll put a polarizer on, but it doesn't live on top of my light lens. Um, but I try to keep everything really simple and streamlined, gear-wise and even process-wise in the field. That way I can kind of focus on um, less technical aspects of photography and more the creative side of it. Right, that sounds really nice. And yeah, I agree. If you have too much equipment, then if you're in a location that's really beautiful, you might miss out on certain moments because you're so worried about capturing them in a very you know, specific way using all the lenses and cameras you have. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Having said that, though, I love when I go to a location for a few days and I realize I've, I've used the entire set of lenses from 16 all the way up to 400. Like that is really, I love doing that because I know a, a wide variety of image types I probably can or I'm going to come home with. Um, but absolutely, I want the technical considerations to be out of the way as much as possible. Um, and a lot of that's just through experience of getting to know my camera really well and knowing its capabilities and also you know, what, being able to evaluate a scene and saying, hey, I really think the, the mid-range zoom would work really well for this type of scene. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing your equipment. It's really interesting. I haven't really worked much with zoom lenses, but mm -hmm. I imagine that they're very large and heavy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, it definitely can. They can add some weight to the pack. Um, so speaking of the camera, my camera body is also um, it's not a mirrorless body, but this will be my last body, which is not a mirrorless. I'm waiting for the next generations of kind of the big three manufacturers brands coming out. So from Sony, Canon, and Nikon, of course, to see what their next generation of mirrorless bodies are going to be. And then just at that point, deciding where I want to go. Um, I'm not married to Nikon as a brand, even though I've used Nikon, Nikon for literally the last 20 years. I've used only Nikon bodies and lenses. But I'm actually looking forward to jumping to mirrorless, mainly because of the size um, how small they are, and also because of some of the weight savings as well. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, I know that a lot of uh, nature photographers in particular are transitioning to mirrorless cameras, and for good reason. They're lighter, they're more compact, it's just easier to work with them, and obviously they have so many additional features that DSLRs don't have. So, yeah, it's mm -hmm. amazing to see where photography is heading. I know, I'm excited, definitely. Mm -hmm. Some of your favorite subjects to photograph are mountains, as you've mentioned in many of your interviews. And I think that mountains in particular are quite difficult to photograph, as you've mentioned yourself uh, in other posts and interviews. They usually come with unpredictable weather. And so you don't really know what to expect. It's difficult to photograph them to, to create something that really stands out. So do you have any advice for photographers who want to take outstanding photos of mountains? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I would say the number one thing is to embrace mountains um, in all their weathers. So from bluebird days to the classic perfect cloud-filled skies, which would work well for sunsets and sunrise to even the more moodier, darker, stormier days. Um, I feel like as landscape photographers, as a community, we really want to focus on those really colorful sunsets or sunrise with amazing cloud structures passing over the mountain with a nice foreground element. And those those are really engaging and fun images to um, photograph. But I feel like mountains add so much more. 
For instance, my favorite time to photograph mountains is in drifting fog when clouds and fog are moving through. And so you may get you may get these glimpses of the mountain, and then the mountain may become engulfed by clouds and fog, but then the then the fog lifts and you see the mountain again. That sort of moody, really um, ephemeral nature of those scenes is really appealing to me and my my visual sensibilities. Um, and then also bluebird days, don't be afraid to go out there and photograph anyway. I feel like a lot of times for landscape photographers in particular, they feel like bluebird days are a bust or it's not really worth it to go out and photograph because there's no clouds, right? But I think you can do more intimate work. You can really use the late day light or early morning light to your advantage to maybe isolate some more intimate landscape subjects. So you may be excluding the sky, but there's also so much more possibilities within mountains than just including the entire mountain with the sky above it. Um, so in those instances, using either a, a telephoto lens or a telephoto zoom lens um, can help you isolate um, any part of the larger scene that may actually be visually appealing. And it may not be as, as you know, those types of intimate scenes may not be as, what's the word, not engaging, so I hate to say they're not engaging. They may not do well as well online because it lacks that classic formula of clouds, mountain, foreground element. But what it will do is provide your portfolio with a, a more well-rounded feel. So your portfolio doesn't just have these, that classic formula of foreground element, mountain and sky. You're going to have those images, but there's also going to be a lot of other images which really showcase a photographer's ability to kind of understand that mountain environment. And they come up with images which reflect all the different aspects of being in that environment um, and as a photographer, that, if that makes sense. That last bit I didn't really explain super well, but I think people may get the gist. No, you explained it really well and completely understood what you were trying to say. And I like the point you made about landscape photography not always needing to have these dramatic backgrounds, these beautiful skies, although that's always very nice to look at. But, you know, it's not always a possibility. We can't control the weather, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's important it, to work with what you have. Exactly. And that's kind of part of the skills of photographers saying, hey, you know, they were calling for this great, perfect forecast for that sort of sky which is going to light up with brilliant colors at sunset but you get there and there's no clouds in the sky so it kind of then goes back on the skill of the photographer to say you know well what else can i photograph and i think the more experienced the more skilled you are or maybe even the more open-minded you are you're going to find something i mean it may not work but at least you're going to basically expand what you know is possible in in that setting um, so, like, if I go somewhere and the conditions are not ideal, I'm still looking. I'm still really looking to see what would work. And it could be something very small. It could be something that is a new kind of idea or concept that I've never thought of before. And maybe on that particular day, that concept doesn't work. But maybe in the future, the subject matter itself or maybe the conditions will be a little better where that concept can then uh, work better as an image, as a photograph. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to challenge yourself in those situations where you feel like you're not getting the results that you want or the environment isn't really complementing your initial idea or concept. And exactly. I think yourself, you might really surprise yourself with the Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm a, as part of my process in the field is I actually have my camera on my back quite often. I know a lot of people like to kind of like just like really look through the field and only take the camera out when they know there's an image to be made. And I'm kind of the opposite where like if there's any sort of spark or any sort of visual interest which catches my attention, I'll probably grab my camera, even if I know in the back of my mind, I, I just, it's not going to work on that day. But it just kind of helps inform this body of like ideas in my brain that hopefully in the future I can kind of um, capitalize on, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like sketching. So if you're an artist or, or, or drawing or a person who draws, you do a lot of sketching for them the, the time, then you actually sit down and do one of your um, showcase pieces as a drawing. I kind of feel those sessions are more about sketching ideas and kind of planning for the future. And, and then definitely once in a while, while I'm sketching, the idea works out perfectly. And actually I come home with an image I really enjoy, which I'll then be able to um, put into my, my galleries on my website. That's a really cool concept, a really interesting way of looking at things. And you're right, with sketching, you are able to visualize certain ideas and you're also developing your skills at the same time. So with photography, it's, it's really no different. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of mountains, your passion for photography was born in the Himalayas, as you mentioned in your bio on your website, which I thought was really unique and interesting. I can imagine what a transformative and inspiring experience that was to, for you to finally realize for yourself that you were in love with photography. If you could go back and photograph that same location in the Himalayas, what would you do differently? That's a really great question. So, like you said, the first time I went to the Himalayas was in 2000. And I went back two more times in 2003 and 2007. And I wish I, I, I want to go back so badly, but, you know, life has kind of prevented that from happening. But the first time was by myself. It was the first time ever, I ever traveled overseas. Um, it was a solo two-month trip. And I bought my first real um, camera, which was a film camera. I shot mostly slides and film back in 2000. And that whole experience was really transformative. It definitely, um, in many ways, I'm not gonna get into the personal side of things, but definitely transformed my view of the world, um, gave me a lot of confidence. But what it also did is, is the first time I was able to use my burgeoning knowledge as a photographer in a really spectacular location to come home with images that um, I was kind of proud of. So what would I do differently? So back then, I would say 95% of the images I came home with were just me going along on the trek and whatever caught my eye, I would just put my camera out and, and photograph it. Um, and I knew the, the basics of composition. I knew the basics of using the camera's meter to get the proper exposure. And I kind of understood the whole idea of how to kind of create depth in the scene, um, but I still relatively new. And so I definitely am sure I missed a lot of opportunities that today I'd have seen and said, wow, this, this could be a very, very fantastic image. Um, if I went back today, I'd be a little bit more planful. So I would say when I get to this area of the trek or this part of the, yeah, this part of the trek, I may want to spend an extra night to explore these different side trips. So I'm thinking of one part in the Kumbu area, which is where Mount Everest is in Nepal. And there's a, these high lakes um, that after I came home, I saw on the map, and I've seen a few images from since. And these high lakes offer amazing potential for using them for reflections of the surrounding Himalaya 
or just in a variety of ways. And so I probably would plan my trek in a way which would put me in positions to capitalize on those sections which offer a lot of opportunity, right? And so I wouldn't just kind of like quickly move through the trek day to day to day. I may actually take a few extra days and just spend more time in one spot um, and, and just trying to figure out uh, some different images that I've not seen from that spot before. Secondly, I, I think, you know, um, I think people, like I'm, I'm very much a nature photographer. Like I don't really, in my galleries, it's very rare to see any hint of like humankind, like any sort of buildings or roads or even trails. Um, but I think the culture was so phenomenally interesting to me. I would like to figure out a way to incorporate the culture because in, at least in the Himalayas and the parts I went through, the culture is so entwined with the mountains themselves. So, so as a story to be told, I think finding ways to combine the two. So um, I do have an image of a, a rock covered in a Buddhist prayer, the writing, the Buddhist prayers with a mountain in the background. Um, it's an image I shot on film. It's never been, it's never been shared online. But I love that image because it, it's exactly what I was just talking about. How do we, how could I as a photographer um, capture both the culture and the mountains together? Because they're so closely entwined there as well. So those are the ways I would change it. The big one would just be more um, intentional and I would plan out some extra days to spend on in those sections I know offer a lot of possibilities that wouldn't, I just couldn't capture those just breezing through in one day, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing me. It's very yeah. clear that you've grown as a photographer too. And I think it's always nice to look back on your old work and to compare it to your current work, because then you can really be proud of yourself and see how far you've come both mentally and in photography skill-wise. And yeah. wouldn't it be cool to see a side-by-side -side of your photos from 2000 and then the other years, and then your current photos, hopefully in the future that you take in the Himalayas, would be cool. Yeah, it'd be super cool. It'd be great. I would love to do that. You know, we, I traveled a lot in the year 2003 and four. Basically, I spent a year traveling. And again, I was still shooting slides, but I would love to kind of like see what images I would have gotten if I was shooting with my current camera and setup back then. Um, it'd be kind of a fascinating comparison to see the difference between those two images, two yeah. sets of images. Absolutely. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Yeah, and speaking of hypothetical situations, if you could time travel with your camera, what time period would you visit and what will you photograph? 
You know, great question. Um, here in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, it, there's a lot of, um, it rains a lot, so there's, there's temperate rainforests. And there's a national park in Washington State called Olympic National Park. And besides kind of a small, smallish interior area of rainforest, most of those rainforests were cut down in the last hundred years. And so whenever I go to the park, I drive through miles and miles and miles of these clear-cut forests. And in my brain, I'm always wondering what this place would have looked like 100, 150 years ago. And I would love to go back in time and just see this place I love so much when it was much more intact, when the ecosystem was much more healthy, um, and just to come experience that. Um, I think that'd be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Our 365 Days of Photography course is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step -step format, which is very easy to follow. The course is presented in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. Each lesson is around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others in the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we're offering a very special discounted price of $199. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Yeah, it's amazing. Nature changes all the time because of humans and just because of the nature of nature. <laughs> and yeah. it is interesting to imagine what things would have looked like if uh, the environment had been different, if the weather had been different, if people hadn't done what they have done. It's always interesting to imagine what the world would be like. And so, yeah, traveling back in time, I think, would be incredible, especially for photographers like you. Yeah, it would be amazing. There are many nature photographers out there, many landscape photographers, yet I believe that everybody has something unique to offer. And I think people who really understand this genre, such as you do, they know how to make a certain landscape stand out and tell a story in their authentic way. And it's really difficult to achieve, especially for beginners. So what advice would you give to aspiring nature photographers who want to stand out in the industry? Another great question. I don't know if there's a one correct answer, but if someone had asked me that advice, I would just kind of say, first and foremost, um, you know, first of all, network. We kind of touched upon it earlier in the podcast. Um, the, putting yourself out there in the community, reaching out to people whose work you admire, um, either for a little bit of advice, if you feel comfortable, maybe ask them to give you some critique and feedback on images. Um, so basically trying to find a way to work your way into the community. Um, in terms of standing out, that's such a hard thing. I think it goes back to what is your goal as a photographer? Is your goal to post work to social media and get lots of likes and favorites and, comp and you know com comments and followers? And that's a legitimate reason to go out and photograph. For sure, I'm not going to downplay that. Or is your reason as an as a photographer is to become, you know, as as good as you can be at the craft of photography and to become a, a full fledged artist in it. Um, and in that regard, I think the whole idea of a mentorship would be really valuable. But beyond that, I would recommend not chasing anything. So I recommend being authentic to yourself. 
And it begins with understanding what you enjoy photographing. It begins with really becoming attuned with your own visual um, sensibilities, like what you like visually, what kind of conditions you like photographing in. Do you like um, small intimates? Do you like big wide landscapes? Do you like more abstracts? I mean, what sort of, you know, what really speaks to you as a photographer when you're walking through the field? And for me, what I do, especially in the last three or four years, I'm really kind of aware of the voices in my head. Um, when I'm really photographing, the voices get really quiet. But as I'm walking between locations or trying to think of different ideas, I pay attention to who's in my head. Is it just me or is it maybe a photography friend? Maybe this scene reminds me of an image I love from this other photographer. So I want to kind of really, is that making me want to capture it because it reminds me of that photographer? But my point is, it's like if you can really be authentic to your own voice in your in your head and not try to chase someone else's vision of what a good photograph could be, that's one way for your work to stand out. Because if you have ideas of what good, good photographs are based upon the work of other people, and you go in the field and you say, hey, this person has this amazing image, I'm gonna capture it because that's what an amazing, amazing image is. You may capture an amazing image, but it's not gonna be your own per se, right? And so I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's how you learn, is by looking at these photographs that you really admire and going in the field and trying to say, well, how could I construct the same photograph or a similar photograph with my own skill set? And that's a really informative way of developing yourself as a photographer. But at some point, you've got to kind of think about what really speaks to you and what works for you and what interests do you have in the field. And part of the process for me is shutting out those voices from my own internal dialogue that I think may be having an influence on what I do um, in a way which doesn't make it my own, if that makes sense. Yes, it's totally um, yeah. So really being authentic to yourself. Um, and just photographing for the pure love of photographing. Don't photograph for the likes or the comments or the friends or anyone else. Go out there and photograph because you enjoy photographing. Um, and then your work may stand out, your work may not stand out. Um, that's the best advice I can give. And it's also because my own view of photography is, is I, I'm in a fortunate position where I don't need to rely on income for photography for my income. I'm a teacher by my day job, so I'm not a full-time professional, even though I do make income from photography. So I don't need to worry about filling workshops or, or, or selling prints or licensing my images to put food on my table and, and pay my mortgage at my house. So it's a kind of a privileged position, but I would say, you know, oh, this is what I think it was. So I think for me, from my perspective, like if I, as a photographer, go out and I shoot what speaks to me and I really stay attuned to what sorts of visual concepts and ideas I find attractive. Um, and I just go after those without the worry of what other people think, if it's going to sell print, if it's going to help fill a private workshop. Um, that's going to make it more meaningful to me. But also, I know that I may not make much income or it may not, this may not garner a wider audience who wants to view my work. And I think for me, I'm okay with that. I put my work out. I really do appreciate, you know, feedback. I appreciate people contacting me or maybe leaving a comment or sending me an email saying how much they appreciate my work. That means a lot. 
Um, when someone contacts about a, a private workshop, that means a lot because I know that that person really enjoys my work and feels like I have something to offer to them. But at the same time, if I put my work out there and it's just silence, I think as an artist, I want to be comfortable with that. You know, enough to say, I'm not going to change what I do just because I'm not getting feedback from others that I feel like I deserve. Um, and I think it's okay to allow yourself not to, you know, create that buzz. You kind of have to be kind of okay with not, with failing basically. Um, there's plenty of photographers out there who have amazing, unique work who I probably have not heard of before, but I've not heard of before at all. And it's kind of a real shame in some ways. Yeah, you make a really great point. And I think it's very wise to approach photography from that perspective, especially if it's just a hobby. I remember when I first started, I didn't want to make it into a profession or I didn't even have those thoughts in my head. I just knew that I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was what mattered to me at the time. I was really young, of course, so I don't think as a child you think about the future all that much. So it's easier to concentrate and to enjoy what you what you enjoy. But still, I, I just enjoyed it. I didn't think too much about anything. And I think when you're an adult and you have all these expectations, especially online, it can be very difficult to take photographs for yourself. So it is wise to approach it from that perspective where you say to yourself, you know, if I don't create buzz, as you said, it's okay. Like, I have to be okay with that as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, that doesn't mean it's not okay to want to try to produce images which do create the buzz. I mean, everyone has their own reasons for doing it. But I kind of feel like at some point to grow as an artist and kind of define yourself as a photographer or develop, quote unquote, your own style, um, you need to kind of, kind of usually go beyond trying to capture those wow images and move towards a more diverse and unique style. And um, uh, if you, I, I kind of view that as just the way people grow as artists, right? Um, a lot of my favorite photographers, you know, six, seven years ago were capturing more of those grand landscapes with those brilliant skies. And now they've kind of gone towards more of a contemplative, more introspective style. And that to me is so much more intriguing. It speaks so much more about them as photographers and artists than it would to continue along the path of just getting these amazing sunsets with big mountains and creeks running in the foreground and things like that. Um, it tells more about them as, as artists and people, really, and how they view the world. And I find that really intriguing to kind of view images from a photographer uh, on their website, mostly as a whole, and you get much more clear picture of them as artists and where they're heading as a photographer. Yeah, it's always interesting to see how people evolve in art in general, but especially in photography. If someone has been doing it for a while, if you look at like the first page, let's say they have a Flickr account or something, you look at the first page and you compare it to like the latest page. It's always interesting yep. to see the progress. Everybody progresses, like no matter who they are or how experienced they are, even if they've been doing it for a year or something. But yeah. You can see a difference. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's really cool to go back, like you're saying, and look at their previous work and say, wow, like, you know, look how far this person's evolved as an artist and as a photographer. Yeah. Have you ever looked back at your own work and seen any big changes? You know, it's so funny you mentioned Flickr. My, I just smiled. I know you can't see it, but um, Flickr was, a, you know, the first place I ever posted images online. And most of that was from that period where I traveled a lot in 2003 and 2004. 
And most of those images are still up online. If you go to my Flickr page and go way back to 2006, 7, 8, whatever it may be. And did those images really just remind me of an experience? I wouldn't consider them to be like photographic art, you know, like, like, um, but they definitely, I enjoy looking at them. I don't go there very often. Some of the tweaks that made to them, you know, back then I would never make today, but you know, it doesn't, that's who cares about that. Um, but it is kind of fun to go back and just, for me, it's more of a visual reminder of an experience, those images, and less about like, you know, putting a piece of art out there for people to, to view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think when you first start out, you don't really know how to tell a story or you do know, but you don't know how to express that. And mm -hmm. so you just take pictures. Yeah, I remember when I first started, just took photos of leaves. <laughs> yeah random leaves and, and raindrops and you know all the standard stuff that every beginner photographs yeah but that's kind of like the process right you, you kind of figure out how to work to capture those images and you kind of build and build and build and finally you um evolve to a point where you capture you know things that are more unique to yourself right yeah and that's a very satisfying level to reach as a photographer and maybe you're not aware of it in the moment but then after some time, you realize, okay, I can actually intuitively capture something, and I feel good about that. Yeah, and it also kind of remind me of a, something also I'm aware of as well is that, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, kind of a down period in their in their photography where they're having a hard time being inspired, or or they're having what people refer to as a creative block. And you know, one thing to rem if you're experiencing that, remember that's usually a sign of growth because you're not satisfied with what you were going after before, the types of images you were coming home with or maybe going out to capture. And that, that dissatisfaction with your work is actually one of the key ingredients to grow. And so if anyone out there is actually experiencing a you know, creative block or they just feel like their photography is going nowhere, that's probably at least subconsciously a sign you're growing as a photographer and just be patient and keep plugging away and just be more authentic to yourself, what's capturing your imagination out there um, in some weird way those down cycles of photography are really important for people to develop and to grow from i know i know for me i have tremendously and so now whenever i feel like i'm in a creative block i don't even i don't even, i really don't even believe in the whole idea of a creative block i think that's just a really negative term for someone who's in a stagnant period which would be followed by a period of growth that's incredibly inspiring thank you so much for sharing that i've never heard of that perspective or I've never read such perspective related to creative block as you said it has this negative connotation and most people assume like oh no creative block maybe I'm not meant to be taking photos anymore I've reached a limit or I don't I just don't have enough inspiration but if you look at it from your perspective then it's way more inspiring and motivating because it means that you have grown and reached a certain level where you just need to reach new heights now and try new things it's much more uplifting so thank you so much for sharing that yeah of course i have one more question for you michael and that is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world fantastic question um i don't have big goals i'm a, when it comes to photography i'm really patient and that means i don't want to have a goal which may sway me into a direction i don't want to go and so i'm I let things evolve kind of naturally. Really, the only thing I could think of right now is that, and it kind of goes back to the idea of who's your audience and who are you 
who, who are you, who's in your brain as you are out there in the field? Um, best case scenario is just about you and yourself and your ideas, but of course, monitoring my own thought patterns, I recognize that there's intrusions from other people. Sometimes, you know, people whose work I admire, some people, or maybe just online, whatever. But really, the only big goal for me is to continue to grow as a, as a photographer and to, um, I guess one of the best, biggest compliments I receive as a photographer is when a photographer whose work I really admire either makes a quick comment to me or shares my work or reaches out the email and just, you know, says something encouraging to me. That is probably the biggest compliment I can receive. And so in some ways, the only goal I want to maybe have in mind is to just have my work viewed as being respected by, you know, the photographic community, I guess. And that's really it. Yeah, I guess just respected by the photographers who I really look up to as, and who are inspiring to me. Um, that'd be the only big goal. And again, if, if, if this leads to, you know, some private workshops, which I do, or print sales, that's fantastic. Um, I don't have any big overarching goals. That's a great answer. And it made me think about the way that we as photographers view our work, because you've mentioned many times throughout this interview that you love what you do and you're very authentic when it comes to your own work. So I think you're already reaching your own, girl, own goals every time you have a photo shoot. You reach that goal of enjoying your shoots and taking photos that yeah. mean something to you. So that's just an ongoing goal, potentially. And that's, that's actually, you, you probably answered it better than I did, really. It's like, part of the goal of photography is not the end product. Part of the goal is to go out into nature and enjoy your experience. And in many ways, enter in these mindsets through the creative process that kind of are different than your day-to-day -day mindset. Um, it helps me just deal with my other stresses in life, for sure, going out and photographing. And you're right, that in itself is a very valid and important goal. And I would also recommend that people who are just starting out that they actually develop that as well. So when you're out there photographing, enjoy the process of photographing. You may not come home with an image you like, but it doesn't mean the day wasn't well spent. And so there's kind of like a whole internal game of being an artist that the audience has no way of actually understanding, which in many ways is just as important as the uh, resulting image. And so I think your insight is actually spot on. <laughs> Well, you gave such great answers throughout the interview, so I feel like I know you a little bit better now. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with listeners and with me. I really enjoyed listening to your to hearing about your experience, hearing about the things that you have been through to become who you are now. And I like what you said about wanting to be recognized by other photographers and being respected by other photographers. I think that's a worthy goal. And I think you've already reached it, to be very honest. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, I wish you all the very best with your journey. And thank you so much once again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ty, for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And I thought your questions were fantastic. So thank you so I'll much. Appreciate it. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks.
go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I really enjoyed speaking with Michael, and I loved what he had to say about creative block. I think it's very interesting to look at photography from that perspective, where if you're feeling uninspired, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to put your camera down. Sometimes it does, but maybe in other cases you might still be interested in photography, but you just feel limited by your options and you just need to try something new. So if you are struggling with this, I hope that you found comfort in Michael's words. And I hope that you found inspiration in his story in general. If you'd like to ask Michael some questions, or if you just want to share some general thoughts about this episode, I would absolutely love to hear from you. We have a community. There's a link to it in the description. Join us for free. Join our photography contest for free. And let us know your thoughts on our podcast episodes that we release every week. Thank you for listening to this episode. I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.